Hello, everyone. My name is Tom Somerset, and welcome to the Great Design Lead podcast. I'm the founder and full stack designer at Somerset Design. Together with my wife, Molly, we run this small graphic design agency in Norway. That was great. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Uh, right now, Thank you it's for inviting like- me. Thanks. Right now it's like a Halloween time. So uh, have have you um, gone to the party with your daughter yet in your Halloween costumes? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I actually have a to show you some won't be entertaining for since it's a podcast. But uh, <laughs> I have some photos from yesterday. There were twenty eight kids. Oh really? Second graders. And um, so my daughter uh, decided to go as Harley Quinn. Oh, that's so cute. I'm looking at a, a little blonde girl in pigtails who's getting her makeup done and has very dramatic yeah. uh, lipstick. <laughs> and me and Malin, we decided, um, well, I'm going as Pennywise. Oh my it. God. You have your full face of makeup and the red nose and the... Yeah. It's uh, it was quite fun. Most of the children didn't want me to wear the the mask, so I had to kind of take it off during the evening because they got a little bit scared. Oh, you're a killer clown! I said. I'm like, yes. How do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, it's it's really nice to to meet you. There, I had a lot of fun, like learning about you and and the different things that you've done in the past and the different courses you've taken and all of these cool stuff and I thought it was really interesting that you were self-taught I um I had to look up what uh autodict meant (laughs) yeah (laughs) the first time I saw that word was in your your LinkedIn uh and I thought it was really interesting that you actually started at 16 um actually uh working and, and learning about design um uh, wh- what was that time period like for you when when you were first starting out? Yes, I'm I'm a little bit older than you, I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm born in '78, so at the time when I was 16, um, I didn't use a Mac back then. I had an Amiga, I think, and this local ad agency asked me if I could 3D model some. I think it was some plastic tanks. And it was quite intimidating because I've never done any commercial work. I've just been modeling, I don't know, chess pieces and spheres and cubes and stuff like that, trying to get wrap my head around. Um, yeah, so that kind of started my freelance. Um, so when I finished high school, I was supposed to do, in Norway, back then you had to do the army. Once you were done with high school, you had to, enroll with the army uh, i think now you're it's a volunteer thing you don't have to go into the army but then uh, and then i already agreed that um i would sign up for a job in broadcast doing animation and 3d modeling but they said yeah but aren't you going to the army i was like i can probably talk myself way out of it so <laughs> I got out of the army. <laughs> oh, wow. not a good thing to do, say public, <laughs> but so many years ago now, so it's probably not. So I moved, moved half the country to different town, different culture, and 
started in in broadcasts so i learned a lot about television and filming and editing shooting commercials uh, it was one of the largest like local television stations back then uh, it was like i think 30 employees huh. and i was <laughs> so young uh, didn't have any experience at all but i picked up quite fast and actually i think i was one of the first to use final cut pro really in norway yeah uh and remember they had a beta thing and i wanted to adapt it into broadcast because what we used was not adobe premiere it was an app called speed racer i've never heard of that probably one never heard of it no <laughs> um it was back then speed racer was the um, the main competitor was Avid, 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 Avid. Yeah. Something like um, that. <laughs> yeah. And um, I bought my, the first iMac, Bondi Blue in 98, and it came out. <laughs> I still have it in my. So you, uh, <laughs> you've been on the Apple, Apple uh, journey uh, all the way through? Yeah. <laughs> Big Apple fan. It's one of the. One of the products I'm too, I think the ecosystem, once they get you in, you're here for life. <laughs> I tried using Android and Google, but um, I don't know. I prefer the Apple way of making products. It's so easy to adapt. I actually, um, uh, in, in your description on uh where you uh, grew up and then you moved or like across the country, um, uh, what was it like growing up in your your hometown uh, between the ages of like when you were very young to when you were sixteen? Um, it's okay, very safe, safe environment. Um, I think from the first to ninth grade, we have first to ninth grade in Norway. Back then, now it's up to ten grades, and they start earlier. I think it's like in US. They're six years old now when they start in the, in the first grade. And uh, I'm still connected to several of those people that I went to school with. We do these reunions still, <laughs> so many years later, <laughs> because you kind of graduate from um, ninth grade. We did it in 93, 94, I think. So we had reunion. We have many reunions. I think there's <laughs> lack of excuse trying to get all these numbers to add up. <laughs> like 15 years, 20 years. Like, okay, let's just call it a party because everyone just wants to see each other. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what um, I, I, I looked up um, uh, uh, pictures of, of your hometown. It's, it's really, really beautiful. Were you born there? You're thinking of the north or where I'm where currently north. living? North. North. Yeah. Yeah. I lived there for 18, 19 years of my life. Um, my family still lives up there. Um, it's quite a travel from the south to the north. It's quite funny. If you if you turn the map around going up north and you just um, turn around, you're in Rome, equal distance. 
Wow. Yeah. So even though it it's, takes, it's, yeah. It's a small country, but it's quite long and it takes like two hours by plane to go from Oslo, the capital, to Tromsø, which is the city that I grew up in. Yeah. Um, do you remember what kind of things that you were interested in before you really knew what, what design was? Like, what what uh, were you like when you were really young living there? <laughs> That's difficult to answer. Um, I think I was about 13 when I knew I wanted to do something creative. Started subscribing to different graphic design magazines, which they don't even exist today because they, <laughs> uh, they're all pretty much websites now. But the feeling of grabbing a magazine with different paper quality and material was quite amazing back then. Um, I remember I also had this internship for which I, I was about 16, 17 for this Mac and Carry magazine, which was the, um, uh, it's like an Apple magazine for the biggest retailer in Norway. Um, I don't think they exist anymore uh, because since Apple made their own stores and there are a couple of ones that still are in Norway, um, that magazine kind of faded out. But I remember subscribing to a magazine called Strata User, which was a 3D app I had to learn. Really? Yeah. If you look look up at strata.com, S-T-R-A-T-A.com, it was this 3D app that was very similar to Adobe. Um, they were quite early on. If you were a graphic designer, you should be able to understand 3D from, and that was like 20 years ago, but they haven't evolved the way I think they they could have. They're still mm-hmm. making software though, but not to the extent that you see now with Cinema 4D taking over the 3D industry and apps like Spline and Vectory coming into the game with browser-based 3D applications. Yeah. So you were. I, don't know. I probably didn't ask your question at all what I did. But... <laughs> you Yeah. So you were like 13 when you were uh, learning. You had these magazines. You were kind of getting exposure to design like that, learning that there were like programs that you can use and stuff like that. Was there anything yeah. else that at, at like 13 that you were really like into or interested in? Uh, I wrote BMX. Really? I was, yeah, I was quite uh, <laughs> I was quite good riding BMX back then. I tried to mimic some of my skills a few years back and then crashing my bike. And... Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I still think, um, I still ride bike though, um, like this mountain bike. I go, go biking, I think this summer I passed 1,100 kilometers. I don't know what setting empirical units that you use, but yeah, I ride with friends. Some of my friends have picked up electric bicycles now, so it's kind of oh, hard really? to keep up the pace with them. So <laughs> that's pretty neat. Yeah. So uh, that that takes a lot of uh, uh, guts. That seems like something that's very scary. You could get hurt very easily. 
Yeah, it's definitely something you think about once you get older. <laughs> you get scarier when you try to do the same stunts you did while you was a kid, and it's, the results are not as good as when you were a kid. Of um, course, yeah, I played football, and um, we have something similar to softball we used to play in when I was 10 to 13 in, in school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and with your or soccer system. as you call it. Sorry, you call it oh. soccer. So <laughs> for us, to it's be football. honest, I did think of like American football for a second. Yeah, no, definitely soccer, <laughs> not American football. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, good. When um uh, uh when you were around like that time period, so it sounds like um you grab graduated what to us would be like high school around 16 and then you were pretty much done with public school yeah high school 18 mm. um and then you're supposed to go up to college or university but i got offered a job at 19 so i kind of started the the road in in work and um after I worked in television for, I was about 21, 22. I moved, tried to move back to North Norway because I got offered a job as a junior art director trainee at the largest advertising agency in Tromsø back then. And, um, but I, I didn't quite feel comfortable moving up north again. So I headed back south again and huh. started working for a web development agency doing graphics and what was then early web design (laughs) was that decision hard for you when you were deciding between college and going straight into work no 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 i was so determined that i wanted to work is it kind of like a looking back at it i kind of wish that i maybe had a degree or something but i don't think i think my role would have been quite different if i chose to go to school uh, as many of my friends did but I think I think I chose the right the right path when looking back at it. Yeah. It's it's sometimes even now in the US we're starting to think like if if the goal after college is to get a job and you get a job right off the bat, like why go to school? Yeah. <laughs> you you learn so much when you're actually doing it, then why why do you want to put yourself through that? Especially when um uh, like in the U.S., it's it's so so expensive to go to college that you're in debt sometimes for like twenty years. Yeah, your education system is quite different in terms of cost, <laughs> whether it is in Scandinavia and Europe, I think. But um, if you listen to people like Elon Musk, what he said about Steve Jobs not going to college, or I think it should bring hope to people that has their drive to create their own business or work i think if you if you have the if you have the interest and the and the passion for your work you can do pretty much anything Mm -hmm. i believe that (laughs) it's probably changed a lot now with new technologies and how people hire one another but i still think that uh, the premise for doing good work is to actually be passionate about what you do Mm -hmm. 
in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that it, it's hard to to keep putting a lot of effort and and time and uh um really spend a lot of your own energy into something that you're not passionate about. I think that that's really really hard. What's your background? Do you have any graduation from some sort of art school or? Yeah, I graduated from uh, Drexel University in Philly, um, and yeah. that's from I studied graphic design, um, and then uh, I went into user experience design. I'm actually working my first job after college uh, as a UX designer. So all cool. of that was a whirlwind, but I'm very thankful for where I ended up. <laughs> yeah. So what's your day? What do you do like when you start up your day? What's your, if you could describe your day, how do you start up? So Sorry, I, I'm turning I, this around. <laughs> I, I just good. Want to know, know you a little bit too as well. Yeah. So, uh, so um, I'm in uh, Philly right now. Um, I, I wake up, um, sometimes I take pre-workout and then I do a workout in the morning um, and then uh, take a shower, have breakfast, uh, then boot up my my laptop that my company sent me at my desk in my room <laughs> and uh, nice. check in with my, my work. And um, uh, it's it's fun, actually, the, the job that I have. Um, uh, with a, a giant company like MetLife, um, they need to make sure that things are consistent between all of their different markets. And so I'm on the team that helps make those good components and then thinking about all of the use cases of, okay, well, what if this is in a different language? Okay, what if they need this? Like giving them all of these options. So no matter what need that they have, we can make things and, and components that they can use. And that's that's my day, and I work with developers and uh, people who do testing on those things that the developers make, and then other people, and then other designers, and then uh, at the end of my day, I take like an hour off or so, and then I have second work where I I do my freelancing or, or podcasts or or things like mm -hmm. that, and then at some point I go to bed. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Sounds like my day. <laughs> but do you do you work with um, your day job? Is it kind of do you work with people that are in different time zones, or is it like uh, an international company? Yeah, we always start uh, the day. Um, a lot of the people that I work with are either in India, um, or yeah, a lot of them are like physically in India so they have a different time zone and so um uh we always start the day at 9 30 a.m uh uh like um east coast time uh like uh <laughs> north uh New York Philadelphia time uh mm -hmm. and then um uh that early meeting for the people in India it's like 7 p.m their time so it's very strange to start off your day and everybody's saying, so this is what I accomplished today. And I'm like, it just started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't really, I don't, I don't know, because I've, my day, I've, I've already had like almost an entire day and you're probably just getting out of bed. But <laughs> I started my day today with, with taking a 5K walk with my dog and doing some workout and 
watching a football game or sorry soccer game and um, <laughs> yeah being nervous for this podcast I think <laughs> I, I can tell you that I'm nervous before every single one and I don't know how I can still be nervous but I'm still nervous every time really yeah it's it's a uh, it's meeting a new person and uh uh um, knowing that I'm probably going to tell them a lot about myself and, and making sure that I remember all of these things that I, I learned about them on my own and trying not to get them wrong and things like that. <laughs> no, you don't come across as nervous at all. Very, oh, it's, it's very good. How old are you or how young are you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just turned 23. 23. <laughs> so I'm still... Uh, I'm still very excited about all these things that I'm going to learn in the future, but I have enough yeah. uh, time in design that I, I think that I know what I'm talking about a little bit. <laughs> How do you think, um, this is off topic, but what do you think about the new name for Facebook? Meta or Meta, or how do you pronounce it? I think that it's very strange. I don't know. Like, um, I heard that some people said that the the name change was very uh um interesting because uh it was so close to a bunch of documents and stuff coming out yeah. against Facebook which is very strange and then um the way that that Mark Zuckerberg was talking about it he he said something like that was very strange he said um like he was trying to like reinvent the internet or something like that which I feel kind of mixed feelings about Facebook being in charge of the next internet because they don't exactly have the best track record. Current internet. They don't have the best current internet. Uh, yeah, I know. It's And Europe, we have a different privacy policy. It's quite more strict than the US. I don't know. You probably know GDPR, this thing that EU introduced, which... American companies also needs to go buy when they launch websites and Facebook is one of the companies that's not not too high up on that list. <laughs> and I think uh, for me, when I heard the word meta, it was, I'm thinking about DC Comics and the metaverse and the superhero things not working. It's, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's, uh, I think they had a, they had an issue with the Oculus hmm. for a name, so now they, they kind of changed the name on it to be... Oh, I can't remember what they decided that the new Oculus name would be, but they're all kind of under that meta. I listened to the podcast from The Verge earlier today, and they, they had like half an hour going through what they thought about Facebook changing their brand. What do you think about it? I don't know. I've stopped using Facebook a few years ago. <laughs> I've I still actually, use I... Messenger though, but everything is it's it's kind of annoying because everything is like when people plan something, it's always a Facebook group or a Facebook. Mm. It's 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 a standard for planning uh, because everyone's supposed to be on Facebook, and um, I don't know. That's kind of like why I don't want to be part of it because everyone else I don't know I'm not a huge fan of of Facebook but I, I was I, early I, I know I used it when it just came out in Norway I can't remember when it launched but I signed up for this early beta and 
sort of spoil entertaining to hook up with friends and family that you haven't seen for a while but now it's kind of it feels very bloated and you, you don't know about the privacy thing that, that they have going on and there's been a lot of issues with this um, human trafficking uh, mm. thing there now with the documents really? you just referred to yeah so there have been some documents regarding that that I don't know that's crazy I didn't know about that but I was told that it had to do with um uh, the negative effects on uh, young women's like mental health, but I didn't realize that there was that part of it too. That's crazy. Yeah, I think the Birch mentioned it on the podcast earlier today. Actually, you should listen to. I'm not not to the full extent that they have all the documents, but I'm pretty sure human trafficking will, was part of the issues that made um, the rebranding more. <laughs> important because they wanted to shift away from something that's turning very negative to uh, i've seen a lot of funny gifs being made now with the meta info now we have all the info on you that we need <laughs> meta <laughs> metadata <laughs> metadata yeah for me it's i don't know if the, if the name is that well thought out <laughs> <laughs> i think it's a little too on the nose yeah Oh, but he's done tremendous work with being most one of the most valuable companies in the world. So kudos to Zuckerberg for that. Um, did you ever hear about the things that go on with uh, with Instagram um, when when it comes to your data and stuff like that? No, there was something that came out recently, at least in the U.S. because we don't have GDPR. Um, is that we um uh they they had this update that came out um and it was uh the way that you accept it is by you just continue using uh uh instagram after that that time period and i was listing i remember listing off um all of these things that they said that they were allowed to do and it was like crazy like they were allowed to look at all of your contacts um, they were allowed to like look at what you were doing on other sites. They were yeah. able to um, uh, anything that was uh, they were allowed to access other devices that were connected to your same Internet system. So like if you were connected to your home Internet and you had like a computer, you had like your your son's or your daughter's devices, too, if it was in the same thing, they would be able to make those connections and access those devices, which is really crazy. I'm, I'm not surprised though, <laughs> because I think I, the thing we need to know that if you don't pay for, for this service, you're not the client or the customer, you are the product. Mm. That's, that's, that's the entire business model of you know, being on the on, on the free ride of Facebook and Google. And that's I I really like how Apple now um, adds this as a security feature to their new iOS where they ask not to track. And I also saw that in the next iOS 15.1, which is now currently in beta, they they specifically uh, show you this trail of data that this company, if you, if you ask them not to um, share your data, you can actually see 
where your data is being who is the worst really yeah so that's going to be interesting I, I think it's it's pretty cool that apple is going up against their own peers which are american companies and are standing their ground i think it's kudos to apple i i uh talked to somebody recently that um actually worked in an apple store for a number of years and he said that when you work at apple um uh, not in like their software development, but like when you're interacting with customers in the Apple store, they called it um, drinking the apple juice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had too much of the apple juice. <laughs> and I'm and totally so biased on that part. <laughs> um, uh, I saw that that you were um, uh, really interested in um, uh, Sir Ives, um, the the Apple. Ives, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, can you tell me a little bit about him and why, why you think he's so cool? I think mainly because he's been the lead designer at Apple for so many years. Not anymore, though. He, he branched out and started his own design company a couple of years ago, I think. But um, the Bondi Blue iMac that I bought in 98 was one of his biggest achievements I think in terms of if you if you go back in time and look at how how it stood out and that and that time period Apple was like 30 days away from bankruptcy. Really? Yeah. And when Steve Jobs came back he had he didn't have too much time to kind of turn the boat around and make it a profitable business. And so do you remember hearing about the history of like those 30 days and in, in trying to save Apple from just being a blip in history? I'm, I'm, my, I'm not sure about my facts here, but I think it was the guy that was hired as the marketing director when Steve was at the company from, came from Pepsi. He was huh. the CEO at the time and he was, um, Steve was working at Next. And also, he had quite a few shares in Pixar. <laughs> uh, so when he developed Next, uh, Next computers didn't really succeed, but he took the knowledge from those Unix machines into what we now see as Mac OS X. Or, mm -hmm. yeah. I think the, um, the achievement Steve Jobs did back then was unheard of and how he... I miss his presence on stage. Uh, his keynotes were... I know he wasn't probably the best uh, boss. Yeah, I've heard his biography and uh, <laughs> I still can't... I don't have a bad word to say about him. For me, he's like one of the, the best entrepreneurs and what he's done. And also going back to showing what is possible actually without a degree if you have the passion to... To your game, I think. Uh, when you said that his keynotes were really like important to you, were you ever were you ever there, or or no. like it was videos that you were able to watch? Yeah, yeah, live streams. Really? So you were able to like watch them live in the moment? Yeah. yeah. So for us, it's like um, around seven in the afternoon when those keynotes air live. It's right after work, and 
around dinner time. So it's perfect to <laughs> watch live keynote from Apple. I remember going to New York, picking up the first generation iPhone. Really? The store there, unbranded one. Yeah. Paying too much. <laughs> <laughs> and back then there was a lot of jailbreaking on the iPhone to kind of make it do more stuff. And I think I spent like, on the fastest, I was 90 minutes jailbreaking it from doing all these weird Unix commands. The phone was rebooting. You see this matrix, which is on your screen. And I think I, think I broke my iPhone, putting it into an Apple speaker because it was, it, it had the same connection. Um, how do you say? Um, Plug? Yeah, it connected to this Apple, uh, they didn't call it HomePod, the Hi-Fi or something, this big mm. speaker they had back then. It has the same plug as the iPod. <laughs> but I guess it didn't because the speaker was meant for the European market. And the phone was from oh, no. the, the voltage. So I kind of, we had like this one company party and I managed to play like 10 songs and then the, <gasps> it just smoke. Oh no. <laughs> so I killed the iPhone I bought in New York, yeah. I was I, devastated because they were impossible to get the first generation in Oral. Oh my god! Mm. W- was that the the one time that you were you were in the U.S.? Yeah, two times actually. The first time was when the first iPhone came out, so that must have been two thousand seven, two thousand eight. I think we went to New York, and. The last time was a 10th anniversary for a company, which almost five years ago, we went to San Francisco and we drove Route 1 to oh, yeah. LA. Yeah. <laughs> Go to LA and San Diego. And yeah, I so wanted to go and see the Apple spaceship in San Francisco. But it would have meant quite a detour from our <laughs> journey. <laughs> but I did get to go to Universal and Disney World then? Disneyland World? Yeah. <laughs> I think the world is in uh, Florida and land is in uh, California. Yeah, that's probably right. And you have Disneyland in, in Paris, I think, as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I actually knew someone who uh, only ever uh, heard of Disneyland in Paris, and so he actually thought it was a, it was a French company. <laughs> He didn't even oh, know really? about the American one. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> and and so so um, going back to education. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, when you first used a uh, an Apple computer, do you remember kind of like what that experience was like? Uh, I think. I think it was a friend of mine. She had a solitaire. Uh, oh, his really? His mother had solitaire on it. It was this old power book with grayscale screen. And I don't remember my first Mac was this. They call it the Macintosh Performance 6300. Mm. It had this 
it was gray monitor, gray box. It really looked like a PC back at the time. And um, it was before OS 10, so it was this hard freezes. When the system froze, it really froze. You had to do like uh, unplug the entire system and reboot. I don't remember too much about the software, though it's, it was so early, but from 98 up until today, I pretty much remember everything from OS 10 and how I think Apple kind of changed the, the path for creatives. You think so? Yeah, definitely. I think um, looking back, I saw this statistics in Norway quite early before um, before the IMAX and uh, the, and the MacBooks, they had, I think, in the educational sector in Norway, they had 90% of the market. Wow. And then they they lost everything to uh, Microsoft and Windows when they started making Windows for all kinds of brands. Mm. But I think for creatives, you know, not having to struggle with all the technical MS-DAS and installing and Apple made it very easy to, like you see on the iPhones today, it's, I know people that use Android, they kind of say, yeah, you want the flexibility to kind of uh, have different themes. You want to change the layout. You want to change the icons and stuff like that. But is it really that important if it really just works and it's safe and it, I don't know. And the um, availability of apps has always been, I think, Developers have always prioritized iOS and iPad OS. And I did use Android for a few years just to try it out and always being annoyed seeing that all the apps that I wanted to use actually was <laughs> being developed for iOS first. And then you had to sign up for beta for Android to actually use it. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I remember, um, I think my first interaction with a Mac computer, uh, I like my first introduction to like the fact that there's digital um, uh, art and design was there was this art school in my, my hometown that was for like kids. Um, it was called the Bomb School of Art and um, uh, B-A-U-M, okay. not B-O-M-B. <laughs> And uh, um, it was, I, I still remember it. It, there was like this giant uh, statue of this horse outside of it. It was like this giant bronze statue and you would walk in and they had all of these Mac computers in this computer lab. And they were teaching us about um, Photoshop and uh, we were um, like learning how to take photos and, and add different photos together to like make collages. And I remember I, I went home and I asked my dad, um, like I need to, I, I really, really want a, a Mac because I want Photoshop and Photoshop comes with it. And I don't, that's not true, <laughs> but that's what I, I thought that like that Photoshop would come with a Mac. And so what I, what my dad got from me was he's a, um, a computer programmer. So he was able to uh, get a, um, a, a Mac with like the, the curved, back of it yeah. and it, yeah. it was like tinted i think green or something like that and i would sit yeah. in front of it and uh uh just just 
uh, do collages in in my playroom, which had like my I had two younger sisters, so there were like toys and Barbies and everything, and then it would just be me uh, on on Photoshop because I got this Mac and it was so exciting. <laughs> How old were you then? Okay, I think I was maybe. 10 11 wow. years old <laughs> it was like it was like a fun game i had no idea that like this would be a, a thing later on that i would i would be interested in doing and then um uh i i kept on being interested in it and then uh, i would for christmas i would ask for like these these uh I, when i tell people about it, they they like don't know what what they are but like they were these books that adobe would make um that would be uh, they they were square and there was a DVD in the back with all of the yeah. assets and I, I remember I really yeah they they were like the best and and I could go through it on my own pace and it like it was you they actually gave you all the assets so that you would be able to uh, follow with it but yeah that that's what I would be doing so like my my neighbor would be playing like kickball in the backyard and I'd be like super interested on on how to uh the 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 exercise that i would do would be it would be a picture of kim kardashian without makeup that's what i would find and then i would find another picture of kim kardashian with makeup and i would try to match the two because the only difference would be like tinting and stuff like that or 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 her lipstick or things but it was the same face so i could get them to look similar and i don't know why i chose her but um (laughs) that that was what i would do when i was about like like between 10 and maybe like 15 years old that's a nice exercise i think they were called classroom in a book yes yes yeah i remember when they came out with indesign books where indesign was like this little player in the desktop publishing market going up against uh, cork express which was Mm. the, the leading um, software back then and now InDesign of course has taken over the market share there as well but that's so cool you started early as well it was uh, I I would take painting classes in one room and then drawing classes in another and my mom was like okay well they have this computer art class do you want to do it I'm like okay and so I would go like once a week and I absolutely fell in love with it and the cool thing about that is I was super into photography. So I was able to like Photoshop things. Like if there was somebody in the back of a photo that I took that I wanted them to be gone, I could get rid of them. <laughs> Change the, uh, the, the white balance and the brightness and all this kind of stuff. And so, yeah, like finding Adobe was really big for me. Um, uh, was what kind of time frame? were you exposed to like things like that after being exposed to your first uh, Mac computer? Adobe was quite early. I think Adobe has been with me the entire journey, actually. Um, I can't remember. Well, starting back when I was about 13, 16, I used, when I used Amiga, Adobe wasn't available for the Amiga uh, prior to Mac. But, uh, ever since I started using Apple, I, Adobe has been has been part of the software. I remember Adobe Premiere being the preferred app for many of the broadcasters in Norway. 
Um, now I think it's kind of 50-50 Adobe Premiere and Apple Final Cut. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was but, your, uh, what was it like sorry. being in, um, uh, like, why were you interested in broadcasting and television and you applied to that job? Would you, what was it like there? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> it was something related with graphic design and motion. And I figured, yeah, the motion part sounded fun, doing animations. And um, I had to do this phone interview. It was before Zoom and Google Meet and everything. So uh, I talked to this guy I was supposed to replace, who I still am connected with on, on LinkedIn, but we don't talk that much. Um, he now develops VR experiences for the maritime industry. Wow, that's really yeah, cool. He, he he moved from the job I got to into one of the biggest gaming companies in Norway that had a deal with EA, EA Electronic Arts. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Interesting. That's so cool. So, so, uh, what was it like, like working there? Did uh, you, when you got there, versus you when you were leaving that job, were those um, two different, two different guys? Yeah, definitely. I learned. Um, I learned a lot about operating cameras and doing broadcast. Um, how technology evolved during those two three years only, uh, where. There was people in the studio uh, filming with these two, three camera setups. And when I left, I was in the control room using joysticks and controlling the cameras without any people uh, in the studio doing manual. Wow. So that was quite, quite cool. Um. This isn't anywhere on, on the same level, but when I was in, in school, uh, something that I, I loved to do when I was between um, ages of uh, um, 12 to 14, that's when the U.S. has their like middle school where it's like a school for just three grades um, between elementary and high school. Um, uh, there was we had like these morning announcements um, and they were teaching us about how to use cameras. Somebody, their job would be um, the person talking. We would have somebody that would do the weather with a green screen. Oh, cool. <laughs> and there would be, uh, we called them directors, which were the, the people that would control the cameras, tell the people when to start talking. And then my favorite job was actually um, behind all of that when you would choose the, the cameras and everything. And we called that the brain. <laughs> yeah. And so I would... Um, my mom, uh, bless her, she would uh, drive me into school um, super early in the morning. I think we would leave at like six in the morning or something like that to get to school so that we could do the rehearsal and we could do the uh, the morning announcements. So I, I, I remember um, kind of like being stressed, but I, I feel like uh, my little middle school experience is not the same. <laughs> as a, a full-fledged real broadcasting uh brain <laughs> yeah but that's so cool do you have any um uh, do you still speak with any of those who went to your school about how you kind of followed your path uh, um i have a connection with any of your older 
I have a couple friends from from uh, home uh, that I still talk to. It's very strange. Like, it's weird that sometimes when um, uh, you go to school with so, so many people, um, I feel like I'd probably be more connected to people if I went to a smaller school. Like in my school, um, it's a public school and uh, there's between maybe like 900 and 1,000 students per grade. Um, so there's like, like there can be up to like 4,000 students in the school. Um, and so sometimes, (laughs) so it's, it's really crazy. If you look up my school, um, it's, it's not the one in Florida, my, my school in, in, uh, in Pennsylvania, it was called Parkland high school. Um, and so if you look it up, um, it looks like the millennium Falcon from, (laughs) if you want to look that up. Parkland I'm High School, Allentown, PA, and then you can just like Star Wars. It looks like mm-hmm. you like Millennium <laughs> Falcon shaped. Yeah, so it's it's a giant, giant school, and so. But the thing about being connected with friends is like sometimes when you're surrounded by that, so so many people. Um, I don't know. It's just like it's not the same because you're always with people for a very short amount of time and and everything, but. Yeah, I do have some. I have one friend that um, went to my school for film, um, and so we uh, he he went to college with me, and so I was able to keep up with him and and sometimes talk to him about design because we were kind of similar but not exactly the same. Um, but yeah, so sometimes I, I talk to those people, and it's it's uh, it's interesting to see how how much you change uh, going to college and all the different things that you're interested in now. How did you go from like being interested in art and photo editing to uh, understand you're uh, equally interested in Webflow and no code? How did that kind of develop over time? So uh, that story, um, it started with like photography. So I was super interested in photography, like like it it was almost like a personality trait at that point uh, all of my my gifts from family members were photography related like i had um uh canon everything was canon uh i i put so much of my babysitting money into getting lenses and backdrops and uh um these shade circles that would block out the sun from the the person's eyes i would i started working a little bit doing that like doing headshots for for universities and companies um and uh but i was super interested in adobe um and uh one of the first things that got me interested in graphic design was this um i i loved podcasts like i loved the once i realized that you could get ted talks on podcasts so i don't have to like watch yeah. it and i could go around and go about my day i i got into that and i was like okay well what other podcasts are here like it seems like there's a lot on this this app so i found this one um by debbie millman who is a um yeah uh, yeah subscribe to her podcast what's it called again it's called uh design matters yeah that's right design matters with Debbie millman yeah yeah i i, I um or follow <laughs> their podcast her podcast you can remember like the little jingle in the beginning it's like uh didn't didn't or, or what not yeah. like the not like the pink panther but <laughs> you remember like the the little jingle in the beginning of it um, yeah. But yeah, I was like um, 15 
uh, when I started listening to her podcast. And I think the first one that I listened to was the one by Michael Beirut. Um, and uh, uh, Michael is a graphic designer from Pentagram in New York. And yeah. he was talking about his life Great and everything. He, he's, he's really, really cool. I actually, I actually got his email at one point from a designer that worked with him. And I was ta- telling her about like how I thought he was so cool. And so I actually messaged him and I said like, hey, you were really influential in me going to a school with co-ops, which is like a six month internship school where you're in school and then you're in, in co-op and then you're in school. And he also talked to, and I, yeah, I just told him that I appreciated him not asking for anything, just, just telling him that I appreciate it. And then he, he actually messaged me back, uh, which was crazy. And I, and uh, I actually printed it out <laughs> the email oh. so I would never lose it. it um he said that he uh he appreciated that I reached out and that um he hoped that I had a uh a happy life or something like that like he was just trying to be very nice um but yeah That's I listened nice. to his his podcast and, and like I'm from a, a town that um uh there it's it's really nice and calm and safe but I felt like there um I there wasn't a lot of like this is design, this is art, this is like, it, it, there wasn't a lot of that. And so um, he's from, uh, uh, he's from Ohio. Um, and he was talking about what it was like to do all of these things and be creative. And, and he was describing a lot of things that I was doing, like, like making the the art playbill for the school play, and um, doing all of these things and going to a co-op school. And and I was like, well, if he can get out of Ohio in his like small town and go and be like this amazing guy, then then I can <laughs> and uh, like somebody can do it. So why not me? And so that there was that. And uh, he also talked about um, his first interaction with um, uh, graphic design and understanding what it was. And for him, it was this logo of like a forklift company. And somehow they made a really creative way of like making the forklift um, fit within the letters and stuff like that. And he was in the car with his his um, uh, dad and he said, hey, what is that? And he said, like, oh, that's like a logo. And he's like, that's a job. Like, you can do that. <laughs> and I had I, I, really, <laughs> I really related to that when um, uh, he uh, when I saw that in uh the fedex logo fedex the the shipment company there's yeah, what's that? Like the arrow yeah the arrow between the e and the x and i remember Brilliant. playing um basketball with my two sisters in our driveway and the fedex truck like literally parked in front of my house and i went up to my sisters like do you see the 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 arrow like what do you mean and so this this guy got out of his truck and went to go uh, dropped the package off at my neighbor's house and I went up to the truck and I was like do you see it and I was like pointing at the truck and they're like Emily leave leave the man's car alone <laughs> and I'm like don't you see it and so then um super interested in graphic design started listening to like all of the Debbie Millman podcasts like actually Debbie Millman came to Philadelphia to do a lecture and I had at, at Drexel um and that was still when I was in high school so I um uh, reached out to as many professors as I could because the event was sold out. And this one professor actually um, 
uh, invited me to come and he said, it's okay. You're like, well, I'll find a seat for you. You don't have to worry about paying. Like I'll get you into the event. And, um, uh, I was like, okay, I actually, I don't know if it was paid or anything, but I would have paid. Um, <laughs> and I actually got to meet her and it was so embarrassing because I started crying because <laughs> I was like, so overwhelmed that this woman was like, it was like, to me, like meeting, uh, like Miley Cyrus or, or something like that. She was like on that level of cool to That's me. Cool. Yeah. And and so I went to that school for graphic design and uh, like the whole time I was in school, I was like, this isn't something's not right. Like something's missing. I don't know uh, what it is like. This is this is the closest thing. I know this is the closest thing to what I want to do, but I feel like there's something missing. And then I started taking web classes and I was like, oh, this is really cool. But I don't know like I was, we were doing CSS and HTML and JavaScript and everything like that. And I, I hated it so much. Like I would be in exams where we had to recreate websites and I'd be like crying <laughs> because yeah, for so creative, bad. I know code, I can totally relate to you and seeing lines of code. It's, it's nice to kind of understand it, but to actually produce these lines of code. Um, I'm, I don't know. I don't, I don't have the, the skill and one thing yeah. one very very small thing that shouldn't take up that much of your energy will ruin everything like it's a comma right. or uh i don't know uh a end parenthesis or something like that <laughs> and and i remember i would i was in that class and i was like oh i love this so much but like i i will never be able to do it and i like signed off like i'll never be able to do a web or anything like that and then um a friend of mine did this presentation in class in Adobe XD and I thought it was so cool and I had some free credits and I wanted to do an independent class because I was like really sick and tired of like sitting in people's Zoom classes during COVID. I was like, I just don't want to like sit through other people's presentations. Like, I mean, I know they have to, but I just don't want to be there. And <laughs> um, I was like, okay, I'll do this independent class, learn Adobe XD, realize user experience design was a thing. Like decided, okay, wow, I, I can be a user experience designer. Like, this is so cool. I was taking all these independent classes, like outside of school. And then um, uh, I found Webflow and I was like, oh my God, like everything that I learned in this web class, I can actually like use, like, I understand divs, I understand classes, IDs, all this kind of stuff. I know like the hierarchy of things, like I have design, I can do this. And then I started uh, doing these projects for other people. And, and now I'm a UX designer and I feel like, like I was just like on this train of my life and I'm just like, okay. I'm here now. I don't know what's going to happen next, but I, I feel like the fun thing to do is just talk to other people like you and uh, uh, learn more about it because you you never know what you don't know. You don't know what's out there and uh, all these different programs that uh, can really change your life. But did you start with something else than Webflow? Did you did you try WordPress before that? It was like Webflow, the first uh, fully fledged developer trash designer platform you. I almost went into uh, WordPress and there's kind of like a funny story behind that. My, my aunt, um, uh, she's an architect and she's so cool. Like she, like her backstory is that she very short, like she um, will try to get to know you before she makes additions or, or builds your home for you. She'll even ask you like uh, your music preferences and she'll ask you Ooh. to look at your, uh, your Spotify. Yeah. 
she'll she'll like just try to get to know you before she she's like a really cool architect and so one of her architect friends um has this company and said hey like we need a new website and I said oh I, I can design it sure and then I'll just find like a WordPress developer because I didn't know Webflow was a thing and um I I found a WordPress developer he was really nice it's just uh, the way that he ran his business, it was like taking a little bit longer to get like a quote from him or trying to like get him like officially on the team and sign everything. And so it was taking a while. And, and in that time period, I kept on getting all these YouTube ads for Webflow. And then I I started learning Webflow. I started doing Webflow University. And around that time where I, I felt comfortable enough that I could build like I was planning on the first one being like my portfolio website or something like that. Um, I finally got the quote from the developer and I looked at the number and I was like, Oh, that's a lot. And, and then I realized I'm like, Hey, I think I, I can, can do, do this. this. <laughs> and so I just presented it really objectively. Like, Hey, if you want to go with, with WordPress, uh, these are the limitations of it. This is the price. This is how many years of experience he has. Or you could go with me. Um, I'll do it for a few, just a few thousand cheaper. Um, and this is what I do. This is how much experience I have. Totally fine, whichever one you want to go with. And they said, we want to go with you. And so that's, that's how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember how, how many years ago this was when you discovered Twiplo? Um, how many years have you been on the train for? Nine months. <laughs> Nine months. Oh wow! Yeah, I really? think I about nine it, months. It kind of sounded like you. <laughs> well, that's cool. And it, it's been crazy. Like I actually like the cool thing about Webflow is like you get to like meet all of these cool people too. Because like the people are so nice. Like I I got to meet um uh uh Nelson who uh, is a part of yeah. uh uh Webflow and he has this Pixel Geek and then I met Waldo and all of these people. Yeah. They're just so nice. The culture is very different than what I had in school, like, I felt like everything was very um, competitive, and there wasn't a lot of collaboration, and, like, the way that uh, if other people succeed or make great designs, like, it it kind of makes you feel less because of that, but when it comes to Webflow, I feel like, like, anybody doing anything cool, the the mentality is, like, oh, wow, I could do that, too, like, I'm going to see if this is clonable, I'm going to see how he or she built it, like, that sounds so cool, so, um, so yeah, that, that's kind of, like, where I am now. <laughs> and I think also that Webflow, the sites that you see that are actually being developed, yeah. almost anything is possible without a single line of code, or just a few lines of code, just doing uh, an HTML block or something, like a custom code, um, I follow a ton of people on um, YouTube. You probably uh, know quite a few of them. Um, Kayla Edwards, Peyton Clark Smith, Jose Ocando, Effin Sweet, you probably know. <laughs> uh, Nicola Bain, Nico Voss. They're, they're all like really oh, Nico. contributors. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm friends with Nico. Um, yeah. Yeah, he was my my second episode ever. Yeah, cool. Which is crazy because I've never met him in person, and he lives in Germany. No? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. He's he's huh. really good. I like his really small, um, short tutorials that they do. And if you want to go deeper, I think Timothy Ricks or T Ricks. That 
um, he is like the go-to guy if you want to do like hardcore web flow stuff with uh, animations and interactions and stuff like that. Have you ever seen his uh, his wizarding website? Yeah. Like, that was so cool. <laughs> and how he's developed a calculator. You can just enter in pixel value and it gives you the REM and the EN values. So you don't have to think about when you input them into Webflow. I think it's a great resource. I, I think for me, I actually discovered Webflow one to two years ago. Um, because we had, uh, when we started up in 2007, uh, Somerset Design, um, we had a CMS, which was a, a private brand. It was a development company making it. And they decided that they didn't want to make this product anymore. And one of our first clients, then Norwegian Swimming Federation, asked us, can we do their new website? they didn't want to have a closed down CMS similar to Webflow and Craft and Wix. Mm. And, and where we were then, we, we figured, okay, we want something that is independent from a development company. Mm. Uh, and back then, I, I don't think Webflow was a thing in 2007. Um, at least not to my knowledge. So we jumped on WordPress and developed I think in that span, I think like 20 to 40 websites in WordPress, many of the first websites were dependent on a developer. And then we started using Elementor. Um, yes. This is page builder for uh, WordPress. And I think what kind of made, made us change from WordPress to Webflow was the hassle of updating plugins, mm. the security issues, the constant, you know, with the different hosting environments, you hit the update button and the site goes white or throws you a error message. You have to kind of have an, a developer <laughs> nearby to kind of sort all these things out. And I started, I, I think it was... Flux Academy, Ransigal, kind of made <laughs> the definite switch for for Webflow. Uh, started trying it out on some, well, our website was the first website we built on Webflow. And I figured, hmm, if I can do this for us, we can do it for clients as well. <laughs> and I think now for one or two years, we've been actively using it with delivered around 10 to 20 websites using Webflow and there's not been a single issue. It's like what they say, if, if a Webflow site is down because it runs on Amazon servers, the world has a bigger problem <laughs> <laughs> because it, then it's not just only the website, it affects so much other services that you rely on. Yes, I think that was my... Um, I, and I always enjoy the Webflow advertising, how they kind of um, present the brand, how they're funny in their uh, uni university videos. And they have this um, with the guy from Iceland, the girl from Sweden. 
there like is always always some yeah I like the dialogue between uh, makes it a fun product to use I think yeah I uh I think I remember recommending it to somebody literally just because it was funny yeah <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I I was um uh, when I was doing the Webflow University like going through all their courses and everything um uh I was living in a house with a whole bunch of other people in college and uh, I was at the kitchen table and um I would pause it rewind it and then go get my friend and show him the, <laughs> the thing this guy's yeah. funny right <laughs> And, and either share your uh, either share your <laughs> enthusiasm. There would even be um uh screenshots of things like if there is um they, some of their placeholder content is really really funny, and so I would yeah. send it to my friends, and they're like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> really nerdy humor. I know I I can see them laugh and giggle with stuff they have in their new videos as well. It, it seems like like something that's really uh like webflow it seems like it's really something that's uh relaxed and um not pretentious and just like easy to to start and and kind of like endless in terms of what you can do with it and how advanced you can make it yeah. uh, I think that that makes a big impact in uh on people willing to take a chance and try something new definitely. I think I'm very curious about the new no-code conference next month, what they will present and maybe showing some teasers about where they are going. There are still some, some features that I would like to see, though, mm-hmm. that I still think that they do lack. Um, and I I try to ask the community about do you think when it's coming out and it's been like this open uh, I know many people has been asking for three four years and they still haven't kind of given any definite answer to when it will be available but there's like only this one major feature I'm interested in getting and it's like in WordPress and craft which is also um, a private CMS um, they have something called flexible fields or repeaters, which allows you to, if you're like adding a product in your CMS, you can just click a plus button and it's based on the same variables as everything else. You can like add product one, two, three, four, five, and it's like this endless stack based mm. on, uh, yeah. So I kind of miss that because right now you have to kind of add uh, a new collection item and you have to think about you can only have like 30 or something items in that you know CMS collection. But if they want a route where they did repeaters, that could be pretty much unlimited to what variables you control. So I'm curious and I'm hoping that they will add a feature like that because that's that's pretty much the only thing that I'm missing from WordPress and um a plugin which I used, which was called Advanced Custom Fields, that allowed mm. you to kind of replicate features and not having to create an entire new post every time that you could add. Yeah, I don't know if that made any sense. What I just said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and what other things are like on on your wish list for Webflow? Yeah. 
I don't know. That's that's pretty much the the one thing I miss that I think about when I do websites that I want to have like more repetitive features. Um, I don't know. I I don't think they should go down the same road that uh, Wix has done with EditorX and make it too designer oriented mm. because I think it compromises a lot on the code. And if you ask a developer, they will probably not have too much good stuff to say about Wix because <laughs> the code it throws out is quite, or used to be, horrendous. <laughs> My, uh, for, for a long time, my wish list item was um, marketplaces. Um, I yeah. I was such a, a big uh, fan of like um, like Mackenzie Childs and uh, mm. uh, Connor Finlayson. I actually got to meet him. Yeah. And so now he's someone that I go to for <laughs> advice. And um, uh, like the ability to make these marketplaces to... Um, uh, have all of that like a, a, a possible client actually came out to me he uh he, he was in the comp- he was in like the business of waste disposal um and like some people throw out waste that they don't need from construction projects and then there's these other facilities that like uh, uh recycle them or or you have to dispose of them in a certain way according to the law in those states and so he wanted to find a way to make the connection between the people getting rid of the waste, the people who have the job of transporting things, and then the people that actually dispose of it. And so he was asking me if I, we, I, we could make like this job board um, for all of this. And I was kind of like explaining to him like how expensive that would be, all of the integrations and stuff like that. And then he stopped talking to me. <laughs> but, oh, <yeah. laughs> but it's okay. Like I uh, didn't take it personally. But um, I like by doing that, I was introduced to Connor and I was like finding all these people on- online. And then once I saw that they're starting beta for um, marketplaces, yeah. Yeah. is that's Membership, crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That That's going to be huge, I think. Because now we have to depend on this... Um, Member stack is that what's called? Mm, yeah, I use members member stack and and or even Airtable to kind of get these loops back to Webflow. Um, it's not been too many clients of ours that has kind of requested this membership feature. So, but I think it's definitely something that's also missing from their arsenal. Yeah. I the the my I have the two wish lists. The first was the marketplace, and the second one was I I know that there's a lot of people that use React um, to make apps, and so I think it'd be so cool to be able to make an iOS app through no code. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's possible. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but like it's so cool. But like when you look at these these apps that people make online, like I I'm starting to be able to like break them down in my head of how they were able to put these things together and stuff like that. But uh, being able to have iOS apps, that sounds like something really, really fun. <laughs> you should uh, join um, No Code Founders on Slack. Oh, really? That's a really, really good Slack channel, which has not only Webflow, but it has Bubble, which allows you to create iOS apps, kind of similar to Webflow. But there, there's this new app, I have a, a colleague of us that we work 
colleague and a friend who is his he says that now that you're understanding Webflow, maybe you can learn how to develop using code. And I'm like, why wouldn't I? <laughs> now that I've seen how it can be done. But I I, I, I sent him, because I always love to tease him about what's coming out of no code. <laughs> since he's a fan of developing code himself. There is this, I'm, I'm going to find it of- and send you on, on, on LinkedIn, but there's, it's in version three now, and it allows you to develop apps and deliver to to um, iOS and Google Play. That would be really I can't, cool. Can't find out what it is called, but Bubble is one of the apps. I haven't really tried it myself, but I'm really I try to follow every news and everything that happens in No Code, and uh, we used. I don't know if you heard, uh, heard of a uh, company called Lobo. 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 L-O-V-O dot A-I. No, I haven't. It's like 150 voices in 30 plus languages. So you can just write the script. If you're doing like, um, we did a video, uh, this intro for this uh, seismic American slash Norwegian company. And we got the script from the client and we were supposed to do voiceover using the human. And as kind of a, um, uh, a pitch to them, I, I pasted the script into this logo that I'd recently signed up for. Um, there was this AppSumo.com. Uh, they offer you this lifetime licenses for some software. You pay once and you own it for life. And I signed up for Lobo, which costs, I know, a lot more than that. <laughs> I pasted the script, and I and you can say set the voice if you want it to be aggressive, if you want to have like an e-learning way of talking, if you want a marketing way, and you, you choose huh. the voice, you choose the gender, you choose the country, Australian accent, American accent, British accent, and you can even learn this AI to. Uh, pronounce words that's not necessarily in, in the dictionary so you learn the AI to say it so using a lot of commas and <laughs> and altering the AI I managed to send off this video which they thought was read by a human and went to be the uh, the video they used for the launch wow I I yeah. always use um this this website called um, uh, naturalreaders.com, uh, not for actual projects or anything, but just to read off my emails to myself, because that's yeah, how that's I usually cool. find uh, spelling errors or things or things that I repeated or something like that. But that's really it. So like, uh, wow, like how how expensive is it? Um, the pricing is quite different that you see on the website, because I think I paid. $29 for lifetime subscription. Wow. And they and they have now $25 paid monthly. That is so, so cool. And seeing, I think AI is quite interesting how a lot of services now are machine coded and artificial intelligence is 
it should be scary considering Meta and Facebook. Oh, <laughs> 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 I find all these other services intriguing in this on a daily basis myself. But um, yeah, there's also this um, Quill bot, which is kind of nice. If you have like a phrase of text and it can paraphrase, it kind of rewrites your text, keeping really? the grammar and everything sort of correct. And we'll dish out the text to you. So if you see like, hmm, I wish I came up with that kind of sales text or something, you can just copy their text and the AI will rewrite it. Sounding kind of similar. You should try that. It's quite uh, it's quite fun just to uh, quillbot.com. Yeah, I just opened I use that. it because we have some uh, English-American speaking clients or their websites and the communication is in English. So sometimes... And we kind of get this some ideas for text from the client. We copy it and we paste it into these um, AI tools, and they kind of draw kind of good results, enabling you to use it commercially. And that's it. when when you think about I, AI. I could paste like, like yeah, stuff to you all day long because my <laughs> I see my tabs are filled with these things. <laughs> Sorry. When you think about um, AI and stuff like that, um, uh, usually I, I don't get too freaked out by computers or anything because I'm like, oh, well, they just they just do what they're told. Like they're programmed to do certain things. Like it's fine. And then I see stuff like this where I'm like, it's very hard to um, differentiate that and like human thinking, like the mm. thing that makes that, that makes you unique against a computer. What do you what do you think about that? Uh, I don't think our jobs necessarily are are in any threat because I think most of the AI AI are based on on parameters that you feed it. I don't think it will ever be creative enough to come up with solutions that are not created by a human that that communicates emotion and brand awareness and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't think in my lifetime I'm <laughs> going to be threatened by AI, but I think of it as a great resource to do mundane stuff, you know, to remove certain elements from a background. You see Adobe and you see different web services where you can easily remove items from the background using AI. It just analyzes and with a simple uh, click. And now I find... I actually found the app that I was trying to refer to creating oh. apps. Bravo Studio. Bravo Studio. Mm. Huh. Which is kind of cool because you can design and using the platform. Well, we, we started out, out in Sketch. I've never been on the Adobe XD huh. platform ever. So I, I, we went from Sketch to Figma. Um, but here it it kind of works both with Figma and XD, the two biggest platforms. Huh. That works. Yeah, so... Um, and you see, you can connect real data and APIs and publish and test directly to App Store and Google Play. This makes me really excited <laughs> because yeah. I uh, I keep on hearing that that I should use... Um, I Like, I have to learn all of these like super intense coding and to be able to um make these these uh apps and 
uh, I have to stop using webflow and after you learn react and stuff like that and that has been making me feel like kind of nervous because i'm like i don't know if i can do that i don't know like i'm sure i could at, at some point but um but hearing that there are no code options that's really exciting <laughs> yeah i think if you look at a lot of um, software it started as out as being code only like 3d it was you had to get to punch in like the z-axis y-axis x-axis and add commands for what you wanted to create and now we don't think of when we see a tool like cinema 4d or spline even we think it's the most natural thing to do in no code it's it's a visual experience mm -hmm. even doing um calculations in we don't think about Excel and Google Sheet, but all of these are no code as well now. They they don't depend on code because code is in the background doing doing other stuff. Um, part of your your timeline I wanted to to get to um, was I, I was really interested in in how you started your company that you're you're with now and uh, like your your own um, and what you were doing kind of like right before that um and kind of like how you decided to to start your own company yeah um when i worked for this web development agency after i finished the broadcast thing i i hooked up with three guys that were newly um educated from naval architect school in sydney oh really and they were starting up a company called Maritime Colors, which targeted the maritime offshore and um, shipping industry, which no other company in Norway or Scandinavia had ever done before. Because they came in with proper education and could speak to the clients. They knew exactly, and they, they knew about vessels, they knew about uh, all the technology and all the, all the pitfalls and so I came aboard as a freelance designer for them. I don't remember the year, but it must have been somewhere between 2003 to 2006. Yeah. And they started out, we were four back then. And when I left, they, they were over a thousand employees. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so they they sold the company to um, another company. So all the, all the kind of um, the CEO and founders, they left the company and just handed it off to a, a larger brand in, in Scandinavia that kind of took the client portfolios and some of the employees. And now one of the... One of the guys that founded Maritime Colors is, is a very good friend of mine. And he started up or was one of the founders of um, a company called Scanreach. That is the first, one of the first companies, or I think the first company in the world to actually being able to send. They have this wearable technology on board ships. And, and the problem with ships is that there's this um, thick walls of steel and, and um, it's quite hard to penetrate signals. So they have developed 
uh, a wearable technology. It kind of like, looks like an Apple Watch. Huh. So when you're on board this large uh, shipping vessel that can be hundreds of hundreds of meters long, um, you don't necessarily know where the um, guys that are working, they can go down below deck and work the hours and you don't know the situation. If it's, if it's a gas leakage, are you okay? So this item sends um, info back to the dashboard uh, unit of the ship. So if it's like a gas leakage or a person is down, uh, it detects the pulse and environmental wow. things. So they are uh, just now going international and they kind of had their launch during uh, the pandemic. Uh, and um, I think they're doing quite well. They, they, to get it right, they improve safety and efficiency on board and enabling wireless connectivity to people, assets, and cargo uh, on a vessel, rig, or wind farm. Um, giving you the link now so you can see the what they're all about scanreach.com yeah so kind of i don't know after that i i worked so much with maritime and offshore design i kind of i wanted to try broaden my horizon a little bit because i felt like it was i was going on this <laughs> one track i want a different um projects so in 2007 i started somerset design with malin who's now my girlfriend and wife and <laughs> and um, she worked as an in-house graphic designer for uh, a real estate firm back then and we decided why not try something together um, our first client then was the Norwegian Swimming Federation that we still work with now after almost 15 years. <laughs> and um, yeah, from there, we just kind of relied on word of mouth. We don't do too much advertising on our end. Um, we are, we have a good network of other designers, developers, creatives, and um, we even have our uh, a good friend and illustrator and graphic designer uh, working from Italy, Sardinia. Alessio yeah. Granella, who, who, is, who, who is now, we're so lucky to meet him just before the pandemic a few years ago when we drove down from Norway. After owning an uh, electric car <laughs> only for a month, a Tesla, <laughs> we drove from Norway to Sardinia Wow. Not knowing how these charging stations or anything <laughs> would go, but it went it went perfect because Tesla has built the best charging network in the world, in my opinion. And Norway is there are more Teslas in Norway than in any other country per capita. I think there there are so many stand up comedians coming to Norway. Saying, <laughs> what's, what's up with all these Teslas everywhere? And it's not. And for many countries, electric cars and Teslas are quite expensive. But in Norway, um, the government goes in and subsidizes mm. every every purchase of electric cars. So if we compare to Sweden, 
electric cars are 25% cheaper in Norway than in Sweden. Huh. Because they have a goal to get by 2022 or 2025, that over 50% of all the cars in Norway should be electric. Oh, wow. Huh. So that's made it possible for everyone. For I think a Tesla now is more... Uh, it's kind of similar to owning a Volkswagen or Toyota in Norway. <laughs> now it's now it's more interesting if someone drives another brand of electric car. Huh. It's not that big of a deal anymore, but I think most Nor- most Norwegians buy into Tesla because of the um, the charging network. That's still a huge issue. Uh-huh. Traveling in Europe with another branded car you you have to use all these different brands of chargers and you have to have subscriptions to whatever service and this RFID thingies and I don't know with Tesla you just ride plug in whatever country you go in when, when you Tesla. <laughs> when you talk about Tesla like I in I see a couple Tesla cars uh in uh Philly like it's very mm-hmm. weird like uh here uh tesla is very expensive and uh uh it seems different like if you if i see somebody driving like a uh i don't know like a like a sports car um and then i see another person driving a tesla i feel like the the sports car is even if they may be like the same price the sports car is like i am doing really well and i love cars <laughs> And the the Tesla is uh, the vibe that I get is I am uh, successful and I um, I really like the mission of this and I I'm really smart. Like it seems like it's kind of like a difference between the two. And the the last time I I felt this way about a company, um, the way that I feel about Tesla was Apple. Like I don't, I don't remember feeling this way about a company that that's it, like, it's so much more about like the mission of the company and what it does and and like kind of the 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 art and design behind the product more than it is just like oh it's 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 a car oh it's a phone. Mm-hmm. When you were getting interested in Apple when when Steve Jobs was there versus now with Elon Musk, are you feeling any similar? feelings between the two yeah because I'm, i've never had any particular interest to cars really uh and when this technology company and especially elon musk and i know he's passed from he came from paypal and and of course later years with the spacex program but i think it was quite intriguing uh, someone from the technology uh, business going up against the large manufacturers in the world of cars and everyone thought they were going to fail like apple with the iphone i remember microsoft laughing at apple who would buy a 500 dollar phone that was back then the ceo of microsoft i don't can't remember his name now <laughs> uh, and we we all know how the story panned out with and i think now all this German companies are really pushing to catch up mm. with Tesla. 
but the problem is that many of these comp- uh, manufacturers in, in Europe and in Asia, most of their companies are built on fossil fuel mm. driven. Yeah, so it's like diesel driven. Um, whereas Elon Musk always wanted to have his solar driven like this green energy uh, all the fabrics should be based on this this philosophy and i think eventually down the road we we will see this um, emission going down from european cars as well but i think right now they're probably emitting more (laughs) co2 during production than it's actually yeah i think the the only brand now to my um, kind of got my attention is uh, there was this engineer leaving Tesla hmm. for another company and I can't remember the name. Oh, his uh, they they really should have put a non compete on that. <laughs> yeah, everything is supposed to be a Tesla killer. Uh, the Norwegian. Readers are getting um, quite fed up, and it's. I think it's it's become Tesla has become like a target for many of the newspapers. Really, because they you never see them refer to a car accident using a brand. Oh, when whenever there's a Tesla involved, there was like car crash, a Tesla. They never do that with other brands. They never was say, like, there was a BMW accident? No, no. Really? It was a car accident. But if there's a, a car accident in, uh, involving a Tesla, they will always shout out the Tesla name. I don't know why they do that, but it's many Norwegian readers are quite aware of, of that. Um, Lucid. Lucid Motors. Huh. Check out the name, because they, they are... They're really taking on on Tesla for real, I think. And they, you can say a lot about Mercedes coming out with a new uh, EQS, which kind of has longer range. The problem with all these cars is that they on paper have better specs and stuff. And when once they get released, they never, <laughs> and then, uh, then they're like, two, three years before it's being launched and Tesla has like another model or some new technology up their sleeve. I've, I've oh, heard about like, Lucid before. Really <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've heard about Lucid before. I actually heard somebody, um, I was, I, I do uh, web reactions to, to videos online. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks. I, I, I don't expect anybody to watch them, but some people do, which is very nice. <laughs> I do. I... <laughs> I watch them. Not all of them, but I do watch them. especially the websites that I've kind of noticed myself. I, I'm um, I'm curious to hear if your reaction is similar to mine. So it's quite. I can use it as a podcast. I listen to your YouTube. Uh, oh, thank you. I, yeah. I they're they're really fun uh, to do, and they teach me a lot about um, how people structure things, and also how to do user testing and what to look for in a user test if if I see the same problem showing up over and over again, but I actually saw somebody working on Lucid and that was the first time I ever heard about Lucid was somebody saying, Oh yeah, I did a project for them. 
Like I did oh, a, really? a a website design for them. Mm. But yeah, they they were pretty neat. And so um so yeah, so you're uh you're working and I I I saw your um <laughs> your 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 saying um eating pixels for breakfast. No, where the shirt? <laughs> Eat for pixels for breakfast is 2007. I'm curious where yeah. that comes from. Uh, I don't know. I've been. You can probably find if you Google it, you'll probably find many others that have said it. But I think we've always used it as as part of our um, website. And when we sign up of stuff and we send proposals that we eat pixels for, for breakfast, and we have done since 2007. I don't know how it came to mind but i just think it's quite funny to use and people recognize it <laughs> i really like it oh can i can i ask you what your um kind of like the first year was like um because it's always starting up i feel yeah i feel like you always learn a lot of lessons in, in like the first year of uh working in in your own company but you also had freelancing so what was that that experience like that first year well, I think starting up so much of design, we didn't really start from scratch because Malin and me, we had we had companies, we had relationships that we had worked with and for um, prior to starting up our business. So we can't we didn't come empty-handed into in, into the business. We and we had many. Uh, we got to know a lot of people. That, it could be a photographer, it could be an engineer, and they introduced us to their clients. Hey, they're looking for someone to design a website or a brochure or a magazine. Or, um, yeah. So I think also one of the oldest ones is Arsenal Norway, which is a football club, club from England that I support very much. <laughs> it's also <laughs> one of our clients. We design a magazine for them. It's six issues every year wow and two or three times they've been like the best magazine um in norway for supporter clubs how's that feel been showing that's 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 pretty cool um, <laughs> especially since my relationship with arsenal is <laughs> i love them as a club but i <laughs> look back so today was a good day for me because just before I entered into our meeting, I saw a game where Arsenal winning 2-0, so it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I came in as a happy person. <laughs> um, so it seems like uh it seems like there's a whole bunch of different things that you do uh in, in the last like since 2007. It sounds like there's there's graphic design, there's print, there's web, um, and and you're personally interested in like uh i guess the, the even more like immersive stuff just like personal interest i don't know if that's something that you would do uh through a client but um something that i think is really cool about that is uh with graphic designers i feel like there's there's a mindset of um uh there's so many things that you can do and you should be able to there there was a quote by somebody that said um uh a, a good designer should be able to design from the pen to the city or something like that. Like having, yeah. it's really important. I don't know if, uh, 
it should be that aggressive but um he he said that that there should be a breadth of work that you can do if if you have your fundamental fundamentals down of understanding design there you should be able to apply that to all of these different situations that your client will need you to be there for them with and so i came from that and then when i went into um web design uh and started connecting with people through webflow um I got a totally different message. The message was like, you should try to find your, your niche. You should try to find like the, the smaller group of people that you can um, uh, like, do you want to do websites for tech companies? Do you want to do um, websites for family run design, uh, like dance studios or something like that? Like, it seems like that they were like, find your niche and then you'll be recommended to do these different projects as somebody that, that has, graphic design and web and all these other things what do you think about that like the whole one side versus the other in in ways that you approach being a designer i think it depends a lot on you where do you want to go because uh, as i said i i worked many years with only maritime related assignments and got a little bit tired of it i wanted to work with different projects and although now we are kind of back to it because I took like uh, a little recess from uh, our post from working uh, in that um, area so now quite a few of our projects are actually maritime and, and technology related uh, many of our clients that we do work with is because of the history and the knowledge that I've gained from the past but if I were to like say what we work most with I think we do a lot of public uh, sector um, I don't know what you call it is it a county or, com- or commune you say in English a com- can you describe it um, a commune is like a how do you say it? municipal I don't know I don't think you have it in that way in in, in the US uh, public sector regions. yeah but it's different regions uh, in in Norway and Scandinavia have like different areas kind of like states oh okay states. we call yeah. those like like counties in, in yeah, the US counties. yeah yeah kind of similar so we do work with a lot of counties um rebranding and doing um, design manuals and coming up with um, annual reports and stuff like that and we also work with a lot of sports related fitness related like we have the swimming federation and uh, fitness uh, and i think one of the things that we used to um, me and malin because we both love to do this um, illustrations in Photoshop where you composite a lot of elements and try to make it like this big uh, <laughs> illustration where you combine, you know, um, different elements and you do shadowing and grading on every element. And me and Malin just love to do those things. So we used to fight over who, who would do it. But <laughs> now I kind of let her do it because I'm, my mind is kind of shifted a little bit over to web and no code. And I, find there's my interest as of now at least i i do also do brand development we just did this ecova for the american norwegian um, seismic 
company where we did the brand development and the logo design, design manual, and had this entire process. But um, yeah, I think for my tasks, I do. Malin works more towards print, magazines, reports, illustrations, and stuff like that. While I try to focus more on the on the tech uh, part of design, which I do love. <laughs> what do you have like... any sort of? A, sorry. No, you keep going. Do you have some sort of um, no code stack or some sort of thing that you start your day with? Do you have like a that you need to go by every day when you start up? Is there any apps you go through to check out, you know, like a project management or Google Drive, Dropbox? Do you have any? Um, I uh, I guess at, at work, it's more like um, uh, for the UX job, it's it's more like stand-up meetings and, and teams and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, I'm at the, the lower part of the totem pole because I, I just joined. So it's a lot of like checking in with people to ask uh um, if they need any help with anything or if there's any tasks I could steal from them. Um, but when it comes to like my, my own, uh, business, uh, I like to use notion, um, to keep track of everything. It thumbs up. (laughs) I love notion. And I, uh, I always have like the, the things I have to do, like, it's always like (laughs) work, shower, breakfast, work. (laughs) And then, Uh, there's always a line and then all of the other like what clients I have to keep up with um, different assignments like what sessions of work that I'm doing so it's it's notion Um, I love adobe xd just because I'm so used to adobe but I also really love figma Um, when I'm collaborating with people I I tend to use figma because it's really easy for that Um, but yeah notion is where I spend most of my time and and Nico Voss actually was the one that convinced me to use notion (laughs) He he showed me what he was using for blog it in because he works, he has to collaborate with a lot of people on this team. And he was showing it to me. It seemed like the most advanced notion I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I, I think we came from MeisterTask. We have been using Wunderlist and Taskade and Todoist and Trello. And I could probably list all of the most famous task and project management systems. And Trying to introduce someone new to Notion isn't isn't all that easy because it's kind of a you have to build so much from scratch. Sure, you can use template or stuff like that, but you kind of need to change your mindset a little bit on how you use it compared to other systems that are pre-made uh, for you. And we, but I think now it's kind of hard to leave Notion because all our <laughs> all our life is in there. We have proposals we have timesheets we have inspiration we use it for mood boarding we use it to all our fonts design manuals even for clients design manuals are are there so we hand up a design manual to a client and it's completely built inside of notion where they can handle like the logos and the fonts that they use yeah i i i love it i love uh um, it kind of made me not use paper as much because <laughs> I got into the habit of uh, anytime I would write down notes or anything like that, I would digitize them and then I wouldn't have to worry about losing them or or like this notepad going away. <laughs> it was all in Notion. So it's just like, it's really relaxing to just be like, 
oh, all I need is my laptop and all of this information is searchable. I don't have to figure out if this is the right notebook or something like that. Did you use anything prior to Notion? Like Evernote or something similar? Like a note-taking? Just no. Like it's notes all, maybe? No? It's all, all new to me. Um, yeah. Uh, being able to use notion and all of the the cool things like i keep all my podcast notes in there um uh some schedules i have in there it's it's very cool <laughs> oh i see you just nice. sent me your your notion yeah just an example of how we set up a brand manual uh, for a client i don't know if it's any interest to you but that's kind of how we when we hand over um delivery to clients they they will have access and we keep it like in organic so they they use the same link all the time and this design manual will evolve over time it will add new illustrations new animations wow. icons this... and stuff like that so they they use it as their toolbox for uh, whoever works there and if they have a print agency the print agency will download specifications on how so to print cool. and the colors and stuff like that yeah yeah what i'm seeing right now and i'll describe it if you're you're listening so i'm looking at a a notion document it has the the header um and it's it's the company brand manual and it's all of these things like the logo the color typography um kind of like limitations icons and everything and the cool thing about that is that you can update it very easily it's not like this is a pdf that you're handing off and then you have to figure out what's the old pdf what's the new pdf this is actually this is a really good idea Especially if the company is open to like Notion and everything. You could apply the yeah. same, I'm guessing, to like a Dropbox or a Google Drive or something like that. Yeah, but we don't we don't encourage our clients to sign up for a Notion account. We just give them this shareable link so they can share it inside their organization and and everyone will know that this this is the place to go when they want to download items like a new business card or a new employee. They just download the InDesign template and Hand it off, hand it off to a print agency and have it altered. And speaking of PDFs, that that used to be a big issue for us in the past because when you did a design manual and you had to do a revision or a change, deploying that to all the employees again, making sure they had the same revision, that was a constant problem. I think mm -hmm. so. Making these brand manuals and these assets. Uh, in one place it makes it a lot easier for us and, and the client. So this um, like, I, I think we made like eight or 10, 10, I think, design manuals now using Notion only. So when I say to you, we can't ever leave Notion, it's because we have so much time invested and we, everything we, when we hand off stuff, every client is kind of introduced to downloading and using the, the system. You, so you're uh, you're emotionally, financially, and time invested in Notion. <laughs> Very. <laughs> and if, even though I've looked at other solutions and I can be intrigued by, hmm, this looks interesting. And Molly looks at me, no, do not change. <laughs> and, and I'm like, okay, I will not. But look at this, <laughs> because I'm uh, I'm such a tech. I'm so this constant. I, when I see stuff being introduced, I. I often go to product hunt and see these new uh, technologies and softwares being voted by, and I start digging into them. Hmm, that's a nice feature, maybe. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
um, can I ask if uh, you've had a lot of experiences working with a whole bunch of different people? Um, I'm just curious, what is it like uh, to work in a company with your spouse? It's okay. <laughs> that's uh that's that's um it's actually quite easy because um we do we don't do the same things um even though we do creative stuff we uh, we have our different tags in notion <laughs> next to each other uh i can follow what she does and i can know if she has something uh, scheduled uh, but I think for um, sanity, it's never been an issue. We're kind of so focused. We're um, during during a day, we're either having um, listening to music or great design day podcast in the background, <laughs> and, uh, and we're just working because we have this. Um, we have a daughter is seven years old so she's in second grade and she goes to school her school starts 8 30 in the morning which i think by many standards is quite late mm. and it ends around one o'clock and then she goes off, off to this um they have this activity thing after school so it's between one to four so we have quite a short window of work <laughs> during the day but coming from being a freelance before I started up my own business, I work twenty four seven, and I I kind of needed to educate many of the clients, saying that we need you have your time off, we should have our time off. So we're kind of mm-hmm. more strict now, telling them that um, if if they're asking for some delivery or something, they they need to get in line because we we have other projects. We're not just sitting here waiting for you to call. We actually <laughs> need to plan our schedule ahead and have assignments in the in the pipeline. So I think it's for us to actually being able now to work regular office hours is is quite nice and to combine that with with family. It's, it's a must, I think, for being able to follow our daughter's progress and being there for her when she needs us. She's um, very intrigued by me going on a podcast. And oh, she what is? is? What is a podcast? And she was, <laughs> yeah, I had to explain it to her. And, uh, um, can I ask you, and this isn't really related to design, and kind of like one of the last questions I'll ask before we wrap up, but um, uh, what kind of things have you... Um, learned or do you think that you've you've changed a lot uh since you've become a parent Hmm. Um, being able to say no i think (laughs) stand my ground (laughs) um yeah and it was also a combination in 2019 i had to do a back surgery because one of my discs was broken i had gone like 10 years with severe um, I've got the pain to my lower back mm. so I had to perform a surgery that kept me out for almost a year mm. from my company so Malin had to do everything and even though it's quite recent that kind of made me think that okay I want to 
when I work, I want to be be focused on the time that I do work and focus on on family and friends because we only have this one life. <laughs> I don't want to, even though I I do enjoy looking. Uh, I think most people they relax with watching Netflix or something like that. I always fall asleep to a YouTube tutorial. <laughs> <laughs> It's always something, and Marlin's frustrated is like this technical or something design related. And for me, it's like the best thing going off to sleep, just the sound of something creative. I don't know if you've, you've seen actually, have you seen this Netflix show called uh, Abstract? Abstract, yeah, I heard of it. I heard, I don't think I've watched it. Mm. It's um, illustrators, graphic designers, architects being portrayed, and you get to see how they work. It's, it's, it's. I think it's a very narrow audience <laughs> that it's made for. <laughs> but for me, I think you would you would enjoy it. It's um, from all all around the world, from US to Europe, and fashion designers even. So it sounds like. Um you you focus on on being present and using the the time that you have well yeah definitely yeah i i um sometimes when i go day to day i uh um i don't know if i go through the motion but like trying to fit so much into a day that like doing these podcasts really really uh helps me like slow down and actually be present in in what's (laughs) actually going on so I feel like I can I can uh, use this and practice it here and then uh, apply that to other parts of my life instead of thinking about like, oh, I have to do this and I have to do that and then all of this and okay, well, I'm going to spend the whole time that I could have spent with this person actually enjoying their presence, then uh, uh, I'm just going to stress about this project that I have going on. But it's really, how much time do you spend before making an episode, how much time do you do in research and how much time does one episode for you? Have you ever done like an ocean calculation of how that <laughs> many hours um, you, or the time you spend? I think I, I have like two sessions. I think one is like maybe like two two hours or something like that, like researching and, and everything. I might do another session like the next day to prep and then I do the podcast and then after maybe I spend like like three hours like editing it and writing everything and listening to it over and then I schedule it and then it comes out uh chronological from the last person that came out (laughs) but it's really fun (laughs) what was your motivation to start doing podcasts what was your um inspiration of some kind or did you I saw that you're interested in stand up and you're <laughs> you're probably not an introvert seeing it into doing <laughs> doing podcasts. <laughs> um the I, I think two things really got me interested into it. Um uh one is I was actually kind of like doing podcasts already. I just wasn't recording them. I was uh mm-hmm. finding people I thought were really interesting on LinkedIn. Um and this was the time period where I started freelancing. So I, I wasn't really like looking for a job. And so I was reaching out to people that I wanted to be friends with and uh, saying, hey, pretty much, do you want to be friends? 
<laughs> on LinkedIn. And I'll, sometimes people would say yes. And it was really cool because I would have these phone calls with people, um, them telling me about their lives and everything like that. And it seemed like nobody had asked them these questions in, in a while. And it was so cool to these people to willing to give me like an hour or two hours of their time. Um, one woman, I, I talked to her from the time she was driving from New York until she was like in Connecticut. I was talking to her while she was driving oh, wow. and she was giving me all this advice on like school and everything. And so I, I realized that um, it might be fun. Uh, like what, what can I do for these people that are giving me so much of their time? I'm like, well, I could, I could record it and I could put it out places and then the advice this person is giving me or like contacts on how people can reach out to them. Other people can listen to that. And so I got into doing that. And then the the other one that was a, a reason is I, I actually had a conversation with somebody that I, 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 it was not fun <laughs> talking to this person yeah. was not fun. It wasn't from the podcast or anything. It was just a person like yeah. I met at a party. Um, and it was just, the most painful conversation I had been through. Like my friend and I were sitting with this person and everything, single thing was like about her. She would turn every conversation about her and she would just be going on these tangents that like nobody was asking her about. Like, it was just like, it was, it was such a bad conversation at the end of the party my friend who was sitting with me and he's like hey I'm so sorry that I left you alone with her like I just couldn't do that conversations anymore like you got stuck in like an hour-long conversation with her I'm so sorry and like when she left like she wasn't a mean person she was really nice but um I was like what do I sound like in conversations am I fun to talk to like like I don't ever want to make somebody feel the way that I feel right now and so listening to myself um, uh, teaches me a lot about like, like listening to how other people interact and like, am I listening to somebody? Am I making them feel like, like I, I care about what they're talking about? Cause I do, I don't ever want people to think that all I'm doing is waiting for them to stop talking so I can talk. <laughs> oh, that's, how's it like for you to go back and, and listening to older podcasts is it have you developed them a new way of producing or asking questions or I have you learned anything that you kind of yeah I think that the audio has gotten better because I got a new mic um yeah. <laughs> but outside of that yeah I think that I've gotten a little bit better at talking to people I think I've gotten a little bit better at um listening and uh, asking questions and, and not forcing the conversation in the way that I want it to go. Like the, sometimes if you prep for a podcast, you like have an idea of what you're going to ask them and all this kind of stuff. And I realized that was like really self-centered um, to be like, this is how it's going to go. This is how I'm going to plan it. Like to go in a, it, like I realized that I was just on uh, in the passenger seat and this person is going to drive and show me a story and um, it, it was really fun. And it teaches me a lot about uh, talking to people and, and making friends and stuff like that. And you definitely get to hear a lot of funny accents. And <laughs> <laughs> you must be very good interpreting, I think, because many people you do interviews from different parts of the world. Do you ever think it's hard to understand what people are saying? Or 
I think that um, when you if when you only speak English and you live in the U.S., you hear accents a lot. Like I grew up um, hearing a lot of Middle Eastern accents and Indian accents, and just like when it, it's like uh, you just it's the same language you know, just in slightly different flavors, and it's very easy. Um, but I did notice that, like uh, for example, my my boyfriend's mom lives in uh, Serbia, and uh, she speaks English. But she could not understand people who have like heavy American Southern accents. She's like, yeah. I have no idea what they're saying. And um, that was the first time I realized that like having a, a, a very thick accent um, when it's your second language, I didn't realize it was it was that hard until I started talking to people that they were like, like even even my boyfriend, sometimes we're in restaurants and if somebody has a heavy accent and they're asking him about food, he just turns to me. He's like, I have no idea what she said. Oh, really? <laughs> And he speaks fluent English. And I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. I didn't realize there was like layers to that. Mm. Yeah, I think also like for Scandinavia, um, it's different than many other European countries because in uh, in France, Spain, Italy, they are dubbing, they're adding their layer of language on top of the original uh, voice while in Scandinavia, we do keep original language. So I think that's why uh, Scandinavians learn English quite early and speak it a lot better than many of the European countries that doesn't have this. Because um, I remember, I think it was... Uh, yeah, I heard a story about... Um, was it Al Pacino, the actor that had a voice <laughs> over... When he died in Italy, there was this mm. big grief because his voice was gone. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's been doing the voice for, I think, Al Pacino for 40 years or something. So people were devastated when they lost the voice. Oh. Even though Al Pacino himself did, did live. So, but it was the voice that actually made people <laughs> It's quite weird. Yeah. Completely I... topic, no, yeah, and uh, it's it's really cool to um uh yeah it's it's definitely strange. I think that part of it is um I speak with a uh, American TV accent. Um, like my my kind of voice is what you would hear on like uh, in Disney or the news or things like that. I think that probably helps it a little bit, and I feel like people understand me a bit more rather than if I had like a a heavy um, um, Massachusetts accent. I don't know if you've ever heard those. Like, uh, if instead of saying like Bar Harbor, which is how I would say it, they would say Bahaba. Oh, <laughs> which is very I almost, different. Almost sounded Australian when you said it like <laughs> <laughs> Bahaba. And uh, um, I don't. There's other things like my my whole family is. Um, well, a large part of my family is New York Italian. Um, so the way that they Forget talk, yeah, literally. <laughs> So like uh, uh, I would say coffee. They would say coffee. So it's oh, it's yeah. it's very uh, uh, accents are funny. <laughs> yeah, especially New York with the Queens uh, accent. I'm walking here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like like just doing this podcast has been is so fun in um uh learning all of these different things, and it seems like people are just so kind, especially with you telling me all about apps which is the thing that i've been like having on my wish list for so long i got a lot out of that from talking to you today oh thank you 
<laughs> I wasn't uh, when I told Malin I was uh, going on. I, uh, I said like, there's no chance I'm going to be able to fill a podcast with anything. We're <laughs> two hours in. So. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of surprised. <laughs> <laughs> it is crazy how fast that they go. I I uh, I sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, am I like uh uh I'm not not bringing up enough, or am I skipping over things? And then I see uh, two hours. I'm like, oh okay. <laughs> Yeah, there's but, probably a lot here that you know, probably won't be that interesting for many people <laughs> that I'm telling you that. But, but I think like listening to this, um, especially the latest podcast from you with Connor and, uh, and Francesco, those have been really, really nice listening to, I think, the conversations and the, um, what you exchange of uh, knowledge is, is quite nice. Thank you. For listeners, I think. Yeah. When um uh something that I wanted to, to ask you like the last question is um knowing like uh where you've been and and uh all of the work that you've done up to this point um do you think that you would have any advice for somebody who's in like similar points of your life um cuz I I I don't like saying what advice would you give to yourself? Cause I think that's a little unfair because uh, you can't go back in time and do anything, but some people might be listening and actually like almost 10% of the people that listen to my podcast are from Norway, which is kind of cool. That is cool. <laughs> so like even the advice that you give might actually be someone who's like living in Norway and, and might be a similar age to you at, when you were at those points in your life. Do you think that you have any advice for anybody who uh, is kind of in those life points? Well, right now, Norway is doing really good in terms of design and development. So there's a lot of companies hiring right now. Uh, there's actually a shortage of enough designers and developers in Norway. Um, so I think that if you're, if you're, if you have the drive and you have the skills, I don't think, just show off your work and present yourself to whatever agency you you think that you might want to work with. Uh, I think there was this Swedish guy. Uh, what's his name? Pontus. Um, this could could be wrong, so I'm not <laughs> quite sure about this. Uh, Pontus Velgra, I think. He actually he took a flight from Sweden <laughs> to the agency Fantasy. Huh. Do you know them, Fantasy? No. This American uh, design brand agency, very good company. Uh, and he showed up to the, the office of the CEO there and Here's my folder. Hire me, please. <laughs> and he did get hired. And he now runs a very, very good YouTube channel showing up his skills. And he just recently started using Webflow. So seeing him wow. uh, adopting Webflow to his workflow um, means a lot because then I see that. And you see them, not only him, but Ben Burns, Crystal, these guys from the future. They shifted away from WordPress to to Webflow and has been using that on their many of their websites and their own website as well. New uh, the future.com is built on Webflow. 
Really? Oh yeah, I guess. Yeah. Huh. So it seems like from from listening to you, uh, advice that I would probably give to somebody would be a lot probably of probably the most terrible advice I've ever given. No, <laughs> no like it it seems like uh, um, really being open to learning a bunch of different things from a bunch of different people was really key for you um, uh, being successful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. A lot of YouTube, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of YouTube, yeah. A lot of YouTube, Behance, Dribble, you name it. <laughs> yeah, I think many of these, I think many of these these platforms and places are meant to be uh, used as inspiration, and it can only take you that far, and you kind of need to produce your own stuff. As well, you can't just replicate and be inspired and a copy. Uh, I think it was good artist copy, great artist steal, wasn't that? <laughs> Who said that? I know Steve Jobs used it as a reference, but I think it was um, oh, good artists. I'm sorry, I'm googling right now. <laughs> copy, great artist steal. Pablo Picasso. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where I was supposed to go with that. <laughs> yeah. I lost I... myself now. <laughs> <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> Sorry. And, and so um, uh, I, what, it seems like uh, it's a little bit in the world of you don't know what you don't know. And so constantly exposing yourself to other uh, um designs and and trends and all of these different things uh will teach you a lot about how other people um work with that i for for me i i had an experience recently where i was doing a um a web uh site review and then i also was thinking about like physical products like product design packaging and stuff like that and i realized that they were they were kind of similar um like in, in if you look at websites like after looking at, at so many websites and doing tests on them and stuff like that you start to see that um if you boil them down they're they're very similar in terms of their building blocks and if you do that with packaging too like it's a series of boxes or it's spheres or things like that and so it's really cool to to uh not go of oh i don't want to look at anybody else's stuff because i don't want to um uh, that's plagiarism blah 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 like no like it's really understanding how did this person get the fundamental building blocks of these different things and you can even apply them to um like something you learn in web you can apply to to product and stuff like that and i feel like um like crowdsourcing your knowledge about design is probably like the fastest way to to learn yeah and i think there's a new new era now coming with this nf what do you call nft yeah, non-fungible token. <laughs> yeah, which you see people are selling their creative work for insanely amount of money using cryptocurrency. I think that's that's going to be another era where where creatives or artists, I don't think of designers as I don't think we're artists in that that sense, but I think we can combine the work we do in an artist way to sell our work. But for clients, I never 
I know our friends like to refer to what we do as as art sometimes, but for <laughs> us it's more solving um, a problem, which is probably the what every other designer would say it's it's problem solving. But but I think this these NFTs are are kind of you can do a hobby designing something if you have an idea for an artwork that is not related to client work. You can you can start selling it and it can be a unique piece of art um, generating quite a good income, I think. And you see people selling work that you never heard of these artists coming up from nowhere, selling pieces for $100,000. <laughs> so <laughs> when you amazing. think... When you think about the future and things like that, when you think about your your own company and uh, design in general, are there anything that you're you look forward to or any goals that you have in terms of like even just like the next three years? Um, things you have your your eye on. I think I'm more get I get more scared of getting old in the business because once you reach a certain age in the creative industry. Um, there is this I think people want you to be young because you you pay more attention to technology and um, trends and stuff like that uh, while as when you reach a certain age as a creative they kind of think of you as retired before you even get retired they don't think huh. that you are able to follow. I think that's a lot of the conception, at least here in Scandinavia, that there are many creatives that are older, but they have different, um, they are not necessarily hands-on creatives. They are more like creative directors or art directing and have more a consultant. Um, whereas I, I want to create as long as I, I work. Uh, but I'm not sure if that's going to be possible. Uh, even though I have the drive for technology and everything that's surrounding my everyday work, I'm curious to see where my generation and your generation next, where where we will be heading in terms of, of creative. I'm getting messages from my friends. How, how do you go on the podcast? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> when when, uh, when you talk about that, um, uh, it's definitely weird when it comes to like graphic design versus web because I think uh, like if you think of uh, web and then you also think of like social. When I think of graphic design and and age, um, it seems like my role models are are people that are like Michael Beirut, um, uh, Paula Cher, like a lot of people that were really active in um, like the 80s and 70s and they're still active. And you kind of look at these people and you're like, you don't think of them as out of touch because they're older. You think of them of like, wow, they have so much experience and, and like they're legends and like mm. this person that has done all of these things, like they could work on a project for me. Like that's incredible. And but I could see someone having the misconception that when it comes to things that are ever evolving, because graphic design is ever evolving, but it's it's still the same principles of design, logo, 
visual. Um, but when it comes to constantly new new programs and stuff like that, yeah, I could I could see where that could be a misconception. But I think that if if you're somebody that is always learning, somebody that is self-taught, all of this kind of stuff, I don't really see that ever really being a problem for you because it's kind of a personality trait of yours. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think now um, coming into the game now and working um, with UX design and UI design, I think this is one of the best times to be a creative because you actually get to get aboard this, this new era of solving creative problems and creating solutions that wasn't even thought about as a market in the past. Um, you know, just how we use our phones now compared to 15 years ago is where we just, just use it to phone someone. Now we hardly use it as a phone anymore. <laughs> we use it as our as a travel companion. With we have our, all our documents. We we are more available than ever. And I'm not that concerned. I used to be concerned leaving my MacBook at home or for a weekend. Now I I know that my iPhone will have everything pretty much if a client needs something i can just open up an app and send it off to them that's also a problem you know you you become more available mm -hmm. also and it's i feel like it's sometimes it's more demanded that you are on the top of your game mm -hmm. uh, but i think a lot of companies have had a wake-up call during these last three years with the pandemic and being a they've, they've seen how it's like on the other end uh, adapting to working from home being um, uh, in the middle of a family situation and dinner and I think the companies that has embraced it uh, has a lot more healthier working environments now because they allow people to go out doing exercise in the morning they can take a break they can as long as they get the work done it's not demanded that they are at the desk 24 7 yeah i think it's it's also a, a positive thing it's not just disrupting the, the whole business yeah when when you talk about that it, it reminds me a lot of like um uh um what's the word like uh re rewarding efficiency rather than just hours <laughs> mm. because yeah, I think uh, it's not, mm -hmm. you can't you can't put like a you can't measure uh, the value of your work based on hours. Mm -hmm. It's based on what you deliver, in my opinion, because that's that's also a problem that Crystal teaches you, that you get punished by how good you get and how you learn the trades of your, your craft. And that has also been punishing us um, because we... If we uh, delivered something that took us, I don't know, 14 days, and then we can deliver it in three days because we're now more efficient. Does that mean mm -hmm. we should get paid more or less? Uh, more. <laughs> so answers more because you deliver faster and you solve the problem faster for the client. It's not, it's not so easy to explain that to a client because yeah. they, they, they value uh, what you do in time. And Chris, I remember Chris Doe did a piece on that and he did, did a uh, an interaction between somebody. He said, okay, um, I can do this in uh, in 10 days. It's worth this amount. And you're nodding, you remember? Yeah. Yeah. And, then, and then somebody said, well, like, 
if it only takes you 10 days, like it must not be that difficult. And then uh, he said, okay, um, never mind, erase that. It'll take me three months. And I, he said, what, you just told me 10 days. Yeah, I'll like um, spend a lot of time on it. I'll just like make it and wait three months to send it mm, to you. I want to put a lot of effort into it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I did, think that- And he did a comparison that you could go hire three people from college and they would spend a lot more time and that would affect- the client's work and uh, would you rather work with someone that could take you to market now in a short amount of time doing it correctly uh, than you monitoring this um, three newly educated that doesn't have any clue to what they're doing <laughs> yeah it really um uh, I'm, I'm really excited about what's what's going to happen in, in the next few um uh years for for me and for you and and everything and it was it was so fun to to get to know you today like i Likewise, thank I, you for having me on it was an honor to even be invited <laughs> yeah i i'm glad that 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 you had fun and uh the 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 way that that i end the podcast um every time is uh i reintroduce myself and then i say what i do and how people can find me that way uh they can <laughs> and uh i always end with you um, and then all of that, I'll make sure is all typed up in the podcast description so people don't have to worry about spelling or anything like that. Mm. Sounds like a good plan. Sure. Not sure what you want me to. <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> I don't follow that entirely. Yeah. So I will start out, give you an example, and then uh, you can take it whatever way that you'd like to once we throw it back to you. Oh, okay. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so, uh, hi, my name is Emily Giordano. Um, I am a, uh, web designer, web flow developer and UX person. Uh, right now I have my, um, uh, my freelance company, which is great design lead, um, dot com. Uh, that's where I make websites for people and it's, it's super fun. I absolutely love web flow. There's endless things that you can do with it. Um, and I also, during my day job, I'm a UX designer at uh, MetLife, um, and I love my job. Um, if you want to reach out to me for a project or to be friends or or anything, you can find me at uh, Emily E M I L Y at GreatDesignLead.com. Great Design Lead is the Instagram, it's the YouTube, it's the podcast, and uh, yeah, you can find me anywhere. Um, but uh, that's that's enough with me, and uh, we'll throw it back to you. <laughs> It's very good. I definitely <laughs> recommend everyone to follow you on the social channels because I think you have great personality and I think you've definitely selected the right path and s- stick to UX and don't leave Webflow and don't listen to whatever people are saying, trying to throw no code un- under the bus because I think it's it's here to stay and we sh- should embrace it. And I think you've definitely made the right choice. And Thank I hope you. we can work to work together. And I know we probably might need some with your skills soon. Oh, I would be very happy to talk about that sometime. <laughs> Definitely. We've actually never uh, had, we never collaborated with other Webflow developers or designers. So that would be a new thing for us as well. And huh. how we would be a good fit and, and cooperate. That would be really fun. Yeah. I and love it definitely, it. and it definitely for us with 
I think I have, I'm trying to come up with better naming conventions when I'm working inside a Webflow because I think maybe sometimes someone would like to, I could hand off this and they, it would make sense. So if we were to work together, I definitely need to think about how I name my classes and subclasses and sub subclasses because they probably don't make sense to anyone except myself. Um, great. So, uh, do you want to introduce yourself and, and places that people can find you? Sure. They can find us at Instagram Somerset design and at wsomersetdesign.no is our website where they can find yeah, LinkedIn and see our, our work. It's, it's in Norwegian though, so might not make too much sense, but it's creative stuff is visual anyway so i think it would make sense <laughs> and if you're on chrome uh, i use the the google translate uh plugin so everything translated to my language very easily and it said uh <laughs> always translate this language and i said check <laughs> check i'm quite curious how it translated our norwegian website because there are some <laughs> words and grammar that can be quite funny when translated using google yeah well, I'll, I'll have to, uh, I might send you a video of what, what it looks like translated, but, uh, but yeah, this was really fun today. And I guess uh, this is a, a friendship we can keep going. And that the end of this podcast is just goodbye until next time. Definitely, Emily. Good luck. Keep up the good work with your podcast. I think it's really inspirational to listen. And when I see a, a new episode pop up, I always either start it on my iPhone or started on my MacBook when I sit down and work. Thank you. Keep <laughs> well, it up.